0: Welcome to Deepen with Pastor Joby Martin. The Church of 1122 is a movement for all people to discover and deepen a relationship with Jesus Christ, and we're praying this message helps you deepen your relationship with Him. Now let's dive in.
1: All right, welcome back, everybody. We are uh, joined once again by the good doctor, Dr. Adam Flint, and uh, kicking off the 1010 Life series. Man, it's been a long time coming. We've been preparing a lot of prayer. A lot of a lot of talking about it and uh really, really excited to jump in um, to this together. I loved Pastor Joby when you were talking just about I mean and I have I have the journal, folks. If you're watching, you can make sure to get that. But inside this, there's just all kinds of things about what God has done. I mean, I wrote down a couple of things, you know, almost two thousand salvations this year alone. Oh, wow. Almost the same number of baptisms this year alone. And um, man, it's incredible to think about where God has brought us. Um, so we're talking about the abundant life.
0: So hey, let me say something. Here's Go what I, I was thinking about this today. <laughs> so we're recording this after service. I was in Wisconsin this morning. Okay. Like woke up in Wisconsin, got on an airplane, flew here, right? Mm-hmm. And everybody's like, okay. Because if you would have told somebody 200 years ago <laughs> that was homesteading in Wisconsin, mm-hmm. you can make it to Florida by lunch, they would say that would be a miracle. Mm-hmm. But what was a miracle then is just commonplace today, mm-hmm. right? Now it's just called Delta, right? Mm-hmm. And you watch some like cheesy Adam Sandler movie and, you know, eat some peanuts. It's, it's, it's not even a big deal. Mm-hmm. So when you mention what God has been doing here, what I'm afraid for our people and mm-hmm. us and our staff mm-hmm. is what historically in Christianity would have been called a revival. Mm-hmm. We just like, oh, cool, two thousand salvations. So, what did you have for lunch? Mm-hmm. And I hope and pray mm-hmm. it never, like God's miraculous breath of life in this mm-hmm. place,
1: never is commonplace for us. Mm-hmm. You know, how, how do you, how, how do you keep it from being that that way? I, I, I stop from taking
0: from somebody had a great idea. I think it was Britt's idea at staff meeting two weeks ago when for 40 minutes, we just played life change stories. Mm. We just went back and remember, oh my God, I could have done that for four hours. Mm. And what was really cool is some of those life change stories were sitting in the room because now they're on staff, Mm. you know? And um, yeah, so that that to me was like the personification of what I try to do with that gratitude list. Mm -hmm. Well, it's funny. I mean, you were talking about
2: flying in and, you know, because you were flying in, it was like, hey, Adam, be ready in case something goes down on yeah. the flight. So I'm paying real close attention to your flight. <laughs> like I got a flight tracker out. Mm-hmm. I'm texting people like, what's his flight number? Is he on the plane? Should I write a sermon? Should I, you know? And when you ask like, so how's it? And it's like, it, I paid attention because it got real personal to me.
1: There it is. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. And I think that too is like, if it's just sort of, well, the church kind of does that or the changes mm-hmm. and it's like, the more personal you get into it and the, mm-hmm. the deeper the relationships go yeah. and you start bringing a friend with you, Yep. The sermon gets real personal. You know, like you care a ton, you one pray of, a
0: bunch. A hundred percent. One of the things I'm most proud of in the right way for this church is how our church has embraced the one more mm-hmm. and they think about, pray yeah. about, celebrate, celebrate. Mm-hmm. So for so many people, it is so personal yeah. when we celebrate the baptisms or the salvations or that mm. kind of thing. And so no. it's exactly what you're saying. It doesn't seem like, well, I hope our folks don't, it doesn't become commonplace because right. because they, they think of a name when mm. they hear this many people got saved, and it was their one more yeah. or somebody yeah. that they were in disciple groups with one more, you mm.
1: know? Yeah. You've had people come up to you and say, Hey, I'm such and such as one more, you know, and they're like brand new to the church. That's how that's how sticky that language is, isn't there? I think there's actually a a name, and I don't know the name. There's a name for something that your brain does when a number is so big that you can't really attach it to anything. So you think, like, if somebody says, "Oh, a million people are starving right now," you're just kind of like, you know, I should care about that a lot, but I can't because my brain can't compute it. But if like your friend's kid was starving or you know, I mean, then, right. then all of a sudden it's personal. Yeah, So I love that. All right. Let's jump in. Let's jump into the, you know, abundant life stuff. Um, and this is something we're going to be talking so much about through the series and then through the whole, uh, initiative, but you know, why is abundant life so often misunderstood? I mean, uh, you, you get into a little bit with the full or, um, that's really the whole, the whole point that we're talking about. People do misunderstand what it means to have an abundant life. Maybe not necessarily misunderstand Jesus' words, but they think, I want—I know I want an abundant life, maybe subconsciously, but they're going after the wrong thing. I mean, why is that a misunderstood concept?
0: Well, one is really bad preaching. Uh, there is a whole lot of preaching that, for whatever reason, doesn't land yeah. itself on television a lot <laughs> uh, called the prosperity gospel mm-hmm. and that God promises you health, wealth, and happiness, mm. And um, the word abundant basically means more than enough. Mm -hmm. And so people's mind go to materialism Mm -hmm. just so quickly. Mm -hmm. So you add that with a multi-billion dollar marketing strategy that is Mm -hmm. in our face every single day, Mm -hmm. trying to get us to an attached life to stuff. Mm -hmm. And in Luke 12, Jesus literally says, your life is not defined by an abundance of possessions. And I think along that same
2: lines is we tend to think about an abundant life as a a what when it's really a who. That's good. And it's, I mean, it's Jesus, right? In Colossians 127, it says Christ in you is the hope of glory,
0: mm-hmm.
2: not the stuff that Christ can do for you that's in you that is your hope of glory. And so some of it's just the abundant life is Jesus, and he he lived the abundant life, and he has the abundant life. And so it's it's almost reorienting from what is my life about to who am I in relationship mm-hmm. with. And the who is just, it's just a different question to ask.
0: So the, the reason I was in Wisconsin is I had the opportunity to go meet a guy named Matt McPherson, who not only makes McPherson guitars, which you guys would love that. I toured the plant and the thing. and Incredible. had zero Good. appreciation for it, but it was great. It was like $10,000 guitars. and he also makes Matthew's bows. He originated them. Now, Matt McPherson is a, I mean, this guy's in love with Jesus like crazy. And he prayed a long time ago, God, if you will just keep giving me ideas, I will turn it into money so that I can fuel and fund your kingdom and he said, I'm not good at begging, so I didn't want to do that. Okay, this guy is so stinking generous. Um, mm-hmm. In fact, the reason we were there, he invited a bunch of pastors there because he just wanted to, like, bless us mm-hmm. and figure out how we could reach more people with the gospel and this kind of stuff. And so you would have a really hard time stealing from that guy because he's already determined it's all God's, and mm-hmm. all I'm trying to do is leverage more and more and more for his kingdom. Mm-hmm. And he would say that he has an abundant life because of his abundance with Jesus, sure. right. even though he's got plenty of money and he's got all kind of stuff. But he never got excited about his food plots and the deer and that. He he got like overwhelmed with the goodness of the gospel mm-hmm. and how God is able to use him. In fact, he started an, an entire line of bows called Mission Bows, And the Matthews bows are like top-end, Cadillac version, best of the best. The mission bows are priced at at like more of an entry point. And all of the proceeds of mission go to missions and missionaries. Hmm. Isn't that great? That's awesome. awesome.
1: Mm. Yeah. Uh, It's funny you talk about it being about a relationship. I was getting ready to to do a teaching about relationships. And this line I've said a couple times recently about, you know, when you're on your deathbed, you're not going to be thinking about – man, I wish I would have bought that truck or I wish I would have had another great meal at my favorite restaurant. You'd be thinking about the people in your life that uh, that mean something to you. You're going to either think with regret or with gratitude about your relationships. And that should tell us something about what life is really about and, and what Jesus, I think, of what he's inviting us into is relationship with him and with the Father through him. One question I did have, though, uh, speaking about abundance, if somebody's reading the Old Testament mm-hmm. And often you read about Abraham and others that's like God blessed them and prospered them, and there's just it is about their flocks and herds and material possessions i don't I don't uh, listen to a lot of prosperity preachers, but it seems like they love the Old Testament because of that kind of stuff. What's a person to take to to make of how it was then uh and how God would bless people with lots of material stuff versus Kind of the New Testament idea. Well, in one
0: sense, it's not different, man. I mean, look at us. We have more than enough. Mm -hmm. You have more than enough food. Mm -hmm. You have more than enough air conditioning. Mm -hmm. You have more than enough transportation. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have a a, a materialistically abundant life. Mm. In those people's lives, like take Abraham, okay, he's creating a nation through him. Mm -hmm. So he's going to load him up with stuff so that when he goes and camps out and starts making babies and, you know, Mm -hmm. God – see, God is providing this not for him but for – God's glory yeah. and that that he is but a conduit, mm-hmm. same reason maybe God raises Moses in Pharaoh's house, and as they're leaving Egypt, they stack up on gold and mm-hmm. treasures mm-hmm. because he wanted to do something with sure. that through them. Mm-hmm. The same thing is true in our lives. Do you think God gave us all that we have so that we could have all that we want? Mm-hmm. No. Mm. Yeah. It's so that he would use us to be conduits of his love, grace, and mercy. Mm. And a big part of that is what we do with the stuff that God has blessed us mm-hmm. with. Mm-hmm. And so if you find your hope in the uncertainty of riches, you will be miserable. Mm-hmm. But when you realize they are good gifts from God and we're called to steward them. I mean, the five-talent guy had lots and lots and lots of money and mm-hmm. leveraged it all for the master. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the one-talent guy hid it because he was afraid. Mm-hmm. And he was called wicked and slothful because mm-hmm. he thought it was mine. Right.
2: And I think we stop reading too soon in a lot of those stories. Mm -hmm. So I mean, take Abraham. I mean, God said in Genesis 12, like, I'm gonna bless you in order to be a blessing. Right. Mm -hmm. So the 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 whole we just stop it, I'm gonna bless you. Mm -hmm. Instead of reading the full like the full story, the full Mm -hmm. thing. So I you know, I think that matters. That matters a ton. And then I also think if you take abundance and make that the the litmus test for whether God loves you or not. Mm-hmm. Things go sideways mm-hmm. real fast. I mean, yeah, real awesome. fast. Cause you know, you're gonna have a real problem with Jesus, mm-hmm. you know, just from like a wealth standpoint or mm-hmm. John or any I mean, this guy's mm-hmm. leaving their businesses and walking away from it all. But that's where I think it gets real sideways in prosperity gospel and mm-hmm. misapplying abundance is not that you, not that God would give you abundance, but that you turn it into the the test as to whether God loves you or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so, the
0: heresy of the prosperity gospel is not that God wants to prosper you. He does. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got to define what you mean by prosper. Right. Mm-hmm. But yeah. he's a good dad. Like He loves to give good gifts to his kids. Mm-hmm. Right. I think the heresy is, is that God responds to you, mm-hmm. that he's not first. You're first. Mm-hmm. So if I give, then you owe me ten times because mm-hmm. that's what it says. Mm-hmm. You know, which means I am preeminent. Mm-hmm. That's idolatry. Mm-hmm. And God will not play your idolatry right. game. He will not be a means
1: to your end. Mm-hmm. Can you think of a specific time where it could be something small where you something happened in your life that that you then saw, oh wow, that was exactly for this like something came in that exactly Went out. Like, I think so. I think one time I unexpectedly got a hundred dollars from somebody, but then met another person that was just like, oh, they really, and I just, I never have, never have cash on me. But then all of a sudden, you you're just like, oh, I know that, I know what that's for. Can you think of an example of something like that in your own life?
2: Well, I've been on the receiving end of it, and it's, I mean, it's super humbling and it's great. I mean, I can remember being in seminary and Kristen and I were just married mm-hmm. and it was like, I'm working for Young Life and she's got a job. You know, we're just, we're 22 years old mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. trying to do that whole thing. And it's like, all right, how, I mean, literally, how are we going to pay rent next month? Mm-hmm. And you go out to the mailbox at the you know the apartment complex and unlock the thing and I pull it out and there's like a check from a guy in our church. And, well, it came from our church, but this Mm -hmm. guy had donated. And, I I mean, I just remember, I mean, that's 30 years ago, and I still think about Mm -hmm. that. And we still talk about somebody being open-handed and realizing what God gave them wasn't Mm -hmm. for them. And Mm -hmm. that thing is still paying dividends all these years later. Mm -hmm. Like, he has no idea.
0: So twice that I can think of. Tell me a second. So Gretchen and I, we moved here, and we are living in a little two-bedroom condo mm-hmm. at the beach. And it was great because there was only two people and two dogs in our family, and so we fit good. And we share a room, so we had an extra room. Mm-hmm. And then we decided to buy a house, which, you know, I'm like, okay, yeah, we should probably buy a house. That's what everybody tells you to do. And we got a three-bedroom house, but there's only two people living in the house, and we share one room. Mm-hmm. And... Um, We, like many people, we like dedicated our house. we're like, Lord, we want you to use this. Almost immediately, there was a girl in my student ministry that needed somewhere to live. Mm -hmm. She moved into our house. Mm -hmm. She stayed there for like a year or something like that. Mm -hmm. Well, she was like, she was grown by then. She was like a college kid, but I knew her from youth group, you know? Mm -hmm. So she lived with us. Well, uh, she got married, moved out, all that. And then uh, years later, we're going to buy another house. Well, now there's four of us. And we buy a, I don't know how many, one, two, three, four, a four-bedroom house. But again, two of us share one room, so we've got an extra room. Mm-hmm. We do the same thing. And we're like, Lord, this is for you. Mm-hmm. Almost immediately after moving into that house, another girl it's, uh was on staff here needed somewhere to live. Mm-hmm. And, and both of these girls, they didn't just need a room. They needed a family. Mm-hmm. And so we just moved them into our house. Mm-hmm. And it was it was just like that. Like, we would mm-hmm. pray, Lord. We're not just buying a bigger house for a bigger house, right? Could could you use us in this place? And immediately he said, "Of course." And mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and it was great. Honestly, some of the best memories yeah. that my kids have that I have is is yeah. you know when these girls were living in our house. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, we. I remember this is real small, but this ten fifteen years ago, Kristen and the kids gave me a generator and a window AC unit for Father's Day because you can survive the hurricane apocalypse if you got a generator and a window AC unit, right? <laughs> wow, like you can yeah, run your TV smart. and you can sleep all night. It's awesome. Yeah. Well, when they gave it to us, we've used it one time. But that thing gets farmed out oh, yeah. all the time, uh-huh. all the time. And after about five times, I was sort of slow on the uptake, but I was like, I don't think I was given <laughs> this for me. <laughs> like, right. I've, And I literally have used it once, yeah. but it does – Wearing it out. And I love it. I love to.
0: You know, one of the things that we, that uh, Gretchen and I did in the last initiative, and we've gotten away from it, and I, I wanna, I wanna re up it here. I mean, we pray like crazy, we stretch, we all the things, but one of the things that we try to do is uh, we take like $100 a month. And just look to give it away, mm-hmm. which is different than like your tithes and offerings, right? Yeah, for sure. But what begins to happen, man, it changes the way you see things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I start praying way more. Like I'm at whatever Walmart, and I'm like, oh, does that mom need this under God? Is this, is that the one? Are you talking to me, mm-hmm. Shepherd? Speak clearly, right, please. Right, you know, right. yeah. And and I normally wouldn't do that. Right. And there's just that's different, man. That's different. Yeah. So we, like, we're trying to kind of get into that thing.
1: Yeah. I think it also happens a lot with experiences too. Like you've been in situations where, like, man, I had this random summer job one time, and now all of a sudden here I'm on a mission trip and I know how to use a hammer and nail. Yeah. You know what I mean? That kind of stuff happens too. So, uh, a big metaphor in this passage, and, um, you know, shepherding, he says, I'm the good shepherd. So, of all the metaphors he could have used, Jesus used a lot of metaphors that were obviously applicable to the people that were listening to him. But why do you think he chose the the shepherd metaphor here?
0: Well, uh, so it's super common. I mean, he's putting this on the bottom shelf for everybody. Mm-hmm. So he's talking to the religious leaders too. There is no way in the world they're not thinking Psalm 23. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so a part of what Jesus is saying is, I am the Lord. right? Because it says, the Lord is my shepherd. Yeah. And then he goes, I am the good shepherd. And they're like, mm-hmm. because – I didn't have time to fully unpack this. They're on the back end of an argument that comes out of John chapter nine, mm-hmm. and they're divided over this. And half mm-hmm. of them are saying you're demon possessed, and the other half is like, I don't know. He healed a blind guy, right. and so I don't think the demon possessed people can hear, heal blind people. Right. I think he might be who he says he is. Mm-hmm. And then he says, "I am the good shepherd." I mean, yeah. he's taking them back to their to. Yeah. Yeah. It's all of your scriptures, but right. the things they would be so familiar with. Plus, they see this all the time. Uh-huh. I mean you know, we've all been to Jerusalem. I can't imagine that all of those hills that are now covered with apartments and stuff like that, and churches, yeah. were shepherds right. and fields. You know, that was a very right. common yeah. thing. And so yeah. he's just trying to put it down. I also think, man, the religious leaders were all about prominence and position. And what a humble thing for the Lord mm-hmm. to say that he's a shepherd. Mm-hmm. I mean, that would be like yeah. the CEO saying, you know, I'm a janitor or whatever it is. It's like right. – and then there's – the parallels just go on and on. I think part of the reason Jesus taught in parables, and I think John says he never yeah. taught without teaching yeah. in parables, mm-hmm. is also because it's not like this. It's not like they had a ri- written record of the conversation, and then they went home and they parsed it, and they'd be like, oh, see the word only? I haven't seen the word only there. Mm-hmm. They, they couldn't study the Bible like we studied the Bible. But in these – These these parables and illustrations, it teaches and reteaches and reteaches like as you're running that Mm -hmm. story through your mind again or that illustration. Mm -hmm. And every time they saw a shepherd, they had to think, huh, Jesus said he was a good one of those. What does Mm -hmm. that mean? Yeah. Mm
2: -hmm. And I mean, in Jesus' time and still, I mean, shepherds, it was not – I mean, it is not a classy job. I mean, those guys – their reputation was bad. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were thought of as thieves and conniving and sneaky. They stunk like crazy. Mm-hmm. And it's all because they were hanging out with sheep. Mm-hmm. And so it's an incredible picture of the incarnation and ultimately Jesus taking on our life and becoming like us and then taking the stink of our sin on us mm-hmm. and giving his life mm-hmm. for us. And so that would have gone, you know yeah that's it 's that it 's a great picture of that exchange and that i 'm coming to be among mm. you in that yeah. and, uh, the other thing that i that I love you were touching on this the mixed metaphor part in there because it it has always gotten me and mm. i when we were going through the John series, I preached on this passage, yep. and I thought about the same thing too like. This seems really weird that he's saying I'm a shepherd, and then he almost just completely without thinking about it, switches over and says, I'm the door. And I remember reading in one of these commentaries or something, and they said, yeah, and that day they would have made a temporary pen, but they had no, there was an opening, and the shepherd would lay down in the opening, and the shepherd would become the door, therefore It isn't a mixed metaphor at all. Correct. The shepherd is the door, and the way you get into the sheep pen is by way of the shepherd. Correct. And the shepherd would lay down. I mean, you know, and that would protect the sheep Mm -hmm. and keep the wolf out. And so that whole that whole thing is just such a it's an incredible picture when you think about that.
0: I think something that's also really different is, think about the number of times in the scriptures it talks about how much shepherds love the sheep. I don't think mm-hmm. we think about it that way because for us, sheep are more like farm animals, you know what I mean? But I, it, it would be maybe closer to what a horse trainer, you know, like mm-hmm. they tend to a yeah. dog owner, you know, like yeah. they had names, they love them. Because yeah. Jesus will say like, what shepherd wouldn't leave the 99 to go find the one? Mm-hmm everybody's like, of course every shepherd would do that because they love the one, you know? Mm-hmm. They put him on his back. They bring him home. Mm-hmm. That's what he's saying. Yeah. Of, of course, of course you would turn your house over to find the one coin that you've lost. Of course mm-hmm. you would beg that your son would come home if he had run off, you know? Right. So that, a part of what he's saying is yeah. that that Jesus loves us. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, that, that part where he says, I'm a shepherd and I care.
0: Mm-hmm. And that...
2: Like that gets when I read that that when you just think he cares for me mm. like like he de- right where you are right now the chief shepherd cares for you that just strikes a different core I don't know why that that just got me mm. yeah. and it's very
0: personal
1: it hits real deep I love a good metaphor and what I love about you know when we when we make up metaphors for things. They'll always break down at some point. It's like it's an imperfect metaphor. Jesus, because he's the creator of the whole world, when he uses the metaphor, it's like it doesn't break. That doesn't break down. To your point, it just gets. You could just take it and like chew on it for forever and still find more riches of meaning.
0: Since he is the author, creator, perfecter of our faith, like which came first? Right. Like in his mind. Exactly. Were there shepherds and sheep? And then he was like, "Oh, I'll use that," or did he know? I'm just going to put this entire ecosystem on the planet <laughs> for the purpose of demonstrating mm-hmm.
1: what I am to mm-hmm. you, because he can. Right. I, I would say maybe the latter. Yeah. Because, you know, like he he thought of family so that he could say, "I'm your, I'm the father." Like right. God is your father. Marriage, you same know? thing. Exactly. Yeah. So, we, we, you already said this, Pastor Adam, but, you know, we said Jesus is the abundant life. And it's very clear in this passage, and Pastor Joby laid that out in the sermon. A question came to mind, though, so when we come to Jesus, we have all of Jesus, right? Like, there's you can't have a little bit of Jesus. You either have them all or you don't have them at all. But when we say he is the abundant life, it does make it sound a little bit like you could have more of him or less of him. Unpack that a little bit.
0: Uh well you can be um, closer to him you can abide in him or not abide in him right. right Romans tells us that we are predestined to be conformed to his likeness which means we are not currently all the way like him yeah. all the way like him right. that um, we are to be transformed sure. by the renewing of our so, mind I mm-hmm. mean these are all like progressive sanctification yeah, kind of verses like, mm-hmm. so um like I don't know a, a metaphor that will break down when you got married mm-hmm at least according to the vows your wife committed all of herself to you and you mm-hmm. committed all of yourself to her mm-hmm. but if you would have just stopped there did you really experience all that your marriage could be right. not even close it's like this continual yeah. growth and discovery for the rest mm-hmm. of your lives that's the invitation right not to just like yeah. seal the deal get the covenant done and you'll spend forever with him eventually mm-hmm. and then i mean
2: i think it's really good news for me Because if all it was was what happened when I was 15 years old at Young Life Camp, and that's all – like, you know, the the old joke, you know, somebody writes in your yearbook, like, don't ever change. And I'm thinking, that's the worst. (laughs) I don't want to be that same. And I'm so thankful that he just didn't save me, and then I stayed that, and then – Lived whatever version of my life went on for however long I lived, and then one day I I'm so glad that he's mm-hmm. working, walking, shaping, moving along, mm-hmm. you know, and you get to see that and you get to enjoy it, and you get to go oh yeah god's God's here, God's working, God's a part of my life mm-hmm. like that's just a that's a that's a good dad
1: that does mm-hmm. that Another another I am statement from John probably helps us here. I am the vine, and he says, "Abide in me." You know, That's so right. he's telling you you have some sort of agency yeah. in the abiding or not abiding close to him.
2: Yeah, and I just I, I think I think you're right though. If it's like I don't, it doesn't feel very abundant. Like I I love Jesus. Well, he's still he's still growing. It's the progressive sanctification, like you talked about. He's still working. So don't like persevere, don't give up, stick close to him. Mm-hmm. He's not done. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. really good news.
1: Yeah. So our church just turned 10 years old and we've done discipleship journeys like this before. This is my third one. And has there been more than three?
0: Like, There were like two, but it was yeah. we didn't know what we were doing. Right. Wasn't, wasn't it wasn't quite like, this. <laughs> it wasn't so.
1: Fumbling our way through.
0: Yeah, the first... Uh, Upon this rock is what got us launched. Right. And then we did restore mm-hmm. out of Acts 15. They were very much like project based. Okay. Like we need to plan a church. Right. And we need to lease the Walmart and mm-hmm. you know that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And restore was we need to finish building it out. Mm-hmm. Um, several years ago, we completely shifted gears into let's do a holistic discipleship journey mm-hmm. as an entire church. Mm-hmm. And there's a bunch of specific things that require resources to accomplish that we feel like God has called us to accomplish, but what we're really ultimately trying to accomplish is what he's doing in us, not necessarily through us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that's what this is. Yeah. It, it, it truly is a discipleship journey that'll change our church forever mm-hmm. and will have a greater impact on a greater number of people. Mm-hmm. For generations to come, than anything that we've ever done. I mean, I was think, I was preaching tonight, and it occurred to me: there literally will be people born that would not have been born if we don't do ten ten life. Think mm-hmm. about that. Mm-hmm. There will be women that will be pregnant, and they will embrace life instead of choosing death mm-hmm. through what God does in us. And, and here's what's here's what's crazy: the great grandchildren of that baby <laughs> will have no idea. Mm-hmm. That their whole abundant life they are living could be traced back to their mama meeting Jesus, mm-hmm. you know, maybe through First Coast Women's Services or maybe in one of our services. I mean, this is the mm-hmm. kind of impact, the ripple yeah. effect that that this could have, that I'm praying this has. And mm-hmm. and for me, yeah. the, the heart of it is, I mean, Jesus says, my sheep know my voice.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And they follow me i that's what I'm ultimately praying for all of our folks. Mm-hmm. It's in regards to generosity, it's in regards to like what area am I plugging into? Mm-hmm. It's in regards to what area in my own life am I listening to the stranger's voice mm-hmm. and not the voice of the good shepherd? like I've got some non abundant parts of my life. What is that? Mm-hmm. you know I want to give this up to you, God, will you take mm-hmm. it away so i'm really
1: I'm really excited about it yeah um does so you know there are two year journeys, so there's a season to them, but they do live, like you're saying, they kind of live beyond that two years we're praying for it and maybe for some more than others. But does from Before All Things, which is rooted in Colossians 1 or from the One Initiative, Deuteronomy 6, uh, does anything stand out to you that's still, like it's living on, even though we did that a few years ago? Any stories or significant change
0: both of those two (laughs) i think they're just in the dna i mean we talk about i mean all the first and best stuff came out of the before all things right like is he before all things or if a bunch of things gotten before him you know is he preeminent uh the one initiative i hear people say it all the time i don't want him just to be number one on a list of priorities i want him to be at the page on which i write the list that's the shema i mean uh we're not shaking these things we're just you know it's almost like jujitsu when you get your next belt yeah. You don't forget everything behind. You're just mm-hmm. building, building on, it on it as you go forward. Right. Yeah.
2: And it real I mean all those things they're all circling around different ways of saying we exist for the glory of God. Fact. Mm-hmm. Not for us, but for your fame and your renown, you know, Isaiah 26:8. And so th- that if we're about what God is about, that thing will reverberate. Mhm. No and <clears throat> Because yeah. it's the theme; it's the same theme
1: throughout it, the scriptures. Throughout, it is the you know. thing
2: God is about. So why would we not want to be about the thing God is about? The right. right? one is going to be
0: the thing's going to be significantly different about this one. Mm-hmm. And I think it's time because we're ten years old, mm-hmm. and I don't know what church years are like—dog years or something—or not quite. <laughs> I mean, we're not a baby church anymore. You know, <laughs> I don't even think we're a toddler church. We're like a like a maybe a late teen, or I don't know yeah. what it is. Right. Um. The previous two initiatives were a lot about you and Jesus and your relationship with the church, you know? Mm. I mean it was. Yeah. This one is going to be how you not just your relationship with the church, but you individually are the church mm-hmm. and how are you going to impact the community? Mm-hmm. Particularly in the abundant life section. Right. I mean Yeah, this has got we big need
2: kingdom impacts.
0: Thousands so. yeah. of people to grab an oar and row. Everything from womb to tomb, First Coast Women's Services yeah. all the way to senior adults. And there are th- literally thousands of opportunities. I mean, it was incredible, man. I met this lady after church tonight, and um, she was talking about the foster care stuff. She owns a salon. And she's like, I just want—how yeah. how do I—I I haven't even mentioned this in total yet to the whole church, but she was saying, can I cut hair? I'll cut all the foster kids' hair for free. And I'm mm-hmm. like, absolutely. That's exactly— so the this, this shepherd's already speaking to her, and we're mm-hmm. we're like only week one in this. Yeah. That that's different. Yeah. This is this is everybody's got an opportunity to play. Like get on the field. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. it's not like just invest in the missionaries so that they go. It's everybody in our church is a missionary. Yeah, somewhere between womb to tomb. Yeah, mm-hmm.
2: yeah
0: it's I don't. Somewhere we were
2: having a conversation, and it was you know how did how did the one initiative when we were going through it impact you? And I remember it was about halfway through and I realized, so we've got two kids, Gavin and Sophie. Gavin's in college now. But the one initiative was the thing that took him through the last two years of basically living in our house. And I remember thinking, this is the, like, Lord, would, would this be the thing that would launch him out into his life as an adult? Like, what would that do if that was the last sort of the last word out of our home? Mm. You know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Like, That's incredible. have a one, have a one thing like that was the parting word, and then it hit me. Sophie's a junior this year, and I'm like, it's we're right back around. This is the last, yeah. the, and now Gavin's going to graduate college. So now, but the thing about this one is with the ten ten life. Is there so much, I mean, around the foster care and around First Coast Women's Services and supporting women and praying, and like, that's got to strike it on a different level with my daughter. And I'm just, I'm praying like crazy that God would use specifically that thing in her life. And I'm already, like, I can see little hints of it along the way. So it's, Mm -hmm. there's sort of this macro what it's doing in the church, and then it's... It's really, really personal you know, to
0: us. There's something about that, generation. My kid, my JP, is a junior also, and I mean, I, I rip on the twenty year olds pretty hard, just because honestly, I'm so proud of them. They're all here, mm, you yeah. know. I mean, on a Thursday night, there are yeah. uh, hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of 1825ers here. Right? Yeah, and dude, they are passionate to do, mm-hmm. not just think. And totally, they are passionate to do. So mm-hmm. uh, we were we we're having this little family discussion at home. And look, JP loves coming here. He's in students. He's a pretty stoic guy, though. He ain't jumping up and down on the front row during worship, right? He's mm. pretty, like, locked in, stone-faced. He loves his student leader, comes to Bible study, kind of stuff. But we, we tell him, we're like, all right, next summer is your senior year. We're going to do a family trip. What you want to do? Because the year after that's going to be tough. <coughs> he may apply for summer. We don't know. We know we've got this summer, and we're that's thinking this is that. the last one. And so – man, by God's grace, we've been able to take our kids to some cool places, Europe and whatever, you know. And I thought he would pick something. He says, we can do anything? We can do anything. He goes, can we do a family mission trip again? I want to go back to the infirmary. Because his favorite thing to do, and this is some 10-10 life here, man, Mm -hmm. is when we go to Jamaica and the infirmary is right next door and and the infirmary is one of the worst places Mm of human despair I've ever seen in my life. And I've been everywhere. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's like a pound for people. They just drop people out there to die and they're just neglected. Anyway, it's Mm -hmm. pitiful. But we, we take all our, we take missionaries here all the time. And every day, dude, JP, who is grossed out by everything would go and sit in the beds with these men and just read the Bible with them. Mm -hmm. And he wants to do that. So I, I think there is something, there's some real teeth in the ten ten life to this upcoming generation about how they can get their hands really dirty for the kingdom of God. And I'm also really pumped about the number of senior adults that came to me after the service. Mm-hmm. And, like, with a head nod and a wink mm-hmm. saying, we're in. Like, we're not just going to collect seashells and waste our life and, you know, only mm-hmm. play golf every day. You can play golf as long as you also mm-hmm. invest your life into everybody having an abundant
1: life. Mm-hmm. yeah. So uh a little confession here. When I first when I first came on and, and we were going into before all things, it was really hard for me to to not think of it as a fundraising thing. You know, like, I I hadn't been around the way that we do it, you know, and that's kind of been my experience before. It's like it's we're just trying to raise some money, right? Like and I didn't really it didn't compute this this language of this is a discipleship journey. So you've mentioned that a little bit, but why why do we push so hard to use that language, and what would you say to the person who's like, come on, man, it's just, we're, we're raising money here, right? Well,
0: you can't disciple people and not talk about money. Jesus talked about it more than anything else. He said That's where right. your treasure yep. is, there so your heart will be also, nobody can serve two masters. I mean, just, there's no way you could be out of whack financially mm-hmm. and be following in the footsteps of Jesus. Now, something could happen to you, mm-hmm. but but even then, I mean, is your heart connected to him? Mm-hmm. Even if some medical thing happened in and your, in you're in debt, that's different than like, you put your hope in the uncertainty of riches. Mm-hmm. So there's no way in the world we could disciple people at our church rightly mm-hmm. and not talk about this this idol of comfort and control in their heart. Mm-hmm. This is why the the financial part of it as a church, is secondary. And I said this tonight, but that financial commitment card that Gretchen and I and our kids will sit down with them, that we will go through, it will be primary in us Mm -hmm. being Mm -hmm. made in his image and likeness as we take steps. Mm -hmm. So if it was a fundraiser, I would do it way different. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't tell everybody I would just go get the richest hundred people mm-hmm. and turn the screws, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, and in fact I know a bunch of churches and that's how they do it. They've got this little team of people. And when they need money, they go to that team and they just get the money. Hmm. But I'm telling you, if if next week the finances all came in, we're doing the 10-10 life, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because and a big part of that, we're not just stroking checks. Right. I need I need hundreds of volunteers to mm-hmm. go to First Coast Women's Services. Mm-hmm. And and share the gospel with these men and women that come in there. Mm-hmm. I need we need hundreds of people to be running services at nursing homes and care facilities mm. to let these widows and these older folks who people quit checking on them to let them know God didn't quit them. God cares yeah. about them. Mm-hmm. There's not a check that can do that. Right. We got a long way to go, man. Right? Yeah. You know, yeah. like how are how are our first responders going to be cared for mm-hmm. if all we're doing is raising money? You can't right. pay. We're not giving them all five dollars. Right. Coffee coupons. Right. <laughs> we are going to raise up an army of people that's mm-hmm. going to walk with them. And when they are like, man, I'm hurting, we're going to tell them, bro, Jesus cares. Look right, right. here. It mm-hmm. says he cares yeah. about mm-hmm. you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That takes people, that takes discipleship. Right.
2: And there's, there's an aspect of, I think about the places that our family gives, and it's so, but there's something uniquely different about giving to the local church. Oh, yeah because everywhere else that I give in my life I sort of get to pick and choose where that money goes. Right. And so and in an essence I'm still in control of it. Correct. I choose to spend it on, you know, give it to this, give it to that. And there's nothing wrong with that. But there's something really shaping to my heart and my soul when I go I I trust Jesus and his church and the elders and I relinquish control of that. Mm-hmm. And I love all the things we're doing. Sure. I really do, but but even if we weren't doing things I was excited about, you know, then there still is something so heart-shaping about going, mm. all right, God, everywhere else I I basically get to control this
1: mm.
2: here. Yeah. And the church is the place I don't. And that's where where your money is, your heart. Like, there's another way that God is uniquely just conforming and shaping your heart to be more, mm. more like Christ. And the other – just one other thing, the other – this this particular passage and verse is the one that God used to save me. Really? Yeah. I was 15 years old. I was not looking. I, I mean, I was just... I went to camp because it sounded awesome to go to camp and my buddy was going to go. And I wasn't searching. I wasn't... None of it. And yeah, the guy got up and talked about John 1010. 10, and I mean, the scales fell off. And so... It's hard for me to think of this any other way That's awesome. That's so than just the straight, like, it. I, yeah, I can't think of it as a
1: fundraising thing because the right. Lord totally changed my life right. out of this. Right. So, it's like that quote you read uh, in, in the sermon about money. I, I don't remember all of it, but it was just like, money can't. Kind of like what you were saying, can't care for you. It, it can't be there for you, you know. And can't
0: justify you. Can't die for you. Right. Can't hear your prayers.
1: That was a commentary that Adam gave me. Right. And, and I think as we were talking, it made me think like maybe the the delusion of having uh, an idolatry in, in money is trying to give it those qualities that it will just it'll never never have. It's like it's it's an inanimate thing. And, and when we, the lie that we believe is that it could offer to us something that it never can. It'd be like offering, it'd be like believing this table could like, you know, make me laugh somehow, like telling me a joke. You know, it's just, it sounds so ridiculous and yet it does grab us, doesn't it?
2: But everything is telling us. Yeah. Everything mm-hmm. in this world is telling us it will do those things for you. Right. It will save you. It will justify you. It will answer all, and it, every single time, it it over-promises and under-delivers.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the two biggest lies of money, um, and it's what Jesus is teaching in the Sermon on the Mount, is that it promises security and satisfaction. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, look at the birds and the flowers.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: They don't find their security or satisfaction right, in right. anything but me, and so should
1: you. Yeah. Okay, so as you said, Pastor Joby, that this is the the initiative for us that will be the most focused on – kind of hands and feet, tangible things. And I was thinking about how there tends to be, this might be an overgeneralization, there there can tend to be a divide between churches that, that would focus on doctrine and scripture and then those that would say action. And oftentimes social justice would be something, that, a phrase that's used. And it seems to be that those sometimes are pitted against each other, and I know we love the genius of the and here, but talk a little bit about, about how the how that connection is made, because it seems like a lot of people want to put one over here and say, no, no, it's about what we're doing for the world. And one over here saying, no, 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 it doesn't matter what we do because we need people to know Jesus.
0: Yeah, the, it makes me nervous when you put uh, an adjective in front of the word justice. Mm-hmm. I would, in the current climate, I would never. Right. Uh, and often what has happened is there's a lot of folks that are just overreacting to a group of people that only played on one side of that railroad track. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And it's both am and it's a declaration and a demonstration of the gospel. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's that's what Jesus did. Half the book of James is about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm reading Acts right now, and I mean, you can't get –
2: Two pages into Acts without seeing both of those things happening. Mm-hmm. You know, feed, yeah, actually, feed the widows so that we can pray and do the word. Correct. I mean, and one impedes the other and one helps the other.
0: Right. Yeah. Right. right. And, and the boys are on their way to the temple and the guy's asking for alms. Silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give to you. Rise mm-hmm. up and walk mm-hmm. in the name of Jesus.
2: Yeah. Paul writing, I need my cloak. Yeah. Like send my cloak before winter. So you even see him like, mm-hmm. I, I need to be warm.
0: <laughs> and So we're going to study the book of James next year for mm-hmm. bunches of weeks to deal with that.
1: Yeah,
0: And a bit of it, man, it's kind of, you know, in the past three years, the whole, like, even the word justice can get hijacked. Mm-hmm. And then people can react against the people that may have gone too far and may have lost mm-hmm. the declaration of the gospel mm-hmm. and call it the gospel. And that's not the gospel. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's not a primary evidence of gospel work for sure, but First mm-hmm. Corinthians 15... It just talks about the life, death, and resurrection of mm-hmm. Jesus in accordance with the scriptures. That's what right. the gospel is. Right. But anybody that's been run over by the grace train, it changes everything. Mm-hmm. And so you've got to war to continuously thread the needle. Yeah. And you can't let the people that if you, the moment we say anything about justice and fighting for the poor or fighting for the least of these, be like, oh, if we go on woke, like, what are you talking about, man? <laughs> Listen, we're doing what Jesus says to do. Right, right. So yeah. we we read John three sixteen and Matthew twenty five mm-hmm. and believe both of them. That's right. We we read Luke fifteen and Matthew twenty five, like both of those things. Right. Mm-hmm. James two, we read that too. So mm-hmm. we're just trying to do what the shepherd tells us to do. And yeah. you can't you love God and you love people. Right. And the reason you can love people is because God first loved you, so you get to love him back, and through you, He loves people.
2: Yeah. And it's, I think of sorry, go ahead.
1: Uh, I was just going to say it's it's like there's this brand, and 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 maybe. This isn't in the minds of many people, but, you know, having grown up around the church, it's like 20, 30, 40 years ago, this brand of evangelicalism of like, you know, fried chicken, potlucks, big SUVs, and, you know, it's all going to burn anyway. You ever hear that? Like, uh, so so this reputation of like, who cares about the environment or whatever, it's just sort of like, it's all this focus on non-tangible things and... And I think that the outworking of that is to not care about meeting actual physical needs. Sure. And then there's a group that would say, look at that and say, no, no, no. We actually have to go over here and meet all these physical needs. But that tends to be consuming as well to where it's just like, yeah. no, well, people don't care about all of that. They just want to eat. They just, they just need to be pr- provided a better life. And there's, like you said, there's pitfalls on either way. What's the quote about the ditch? Oh, yeah. The, For every mile of road, there's two miles of ditch. Yeah. And the scripture is full of paradoxes that's, sure. that say, don't go all the way over there or over there. It's about mm-hmm. threading the needle, like you said. Yeah, well, Jesus scolded. The
0: the, the the Pharisees had come up with this religious practice that you could dedicate all of your money to God. Mm-hmm. And then they were not taking care of their parents. Mm-hmm. And they were saying, well, right, I've dedicated it to the glory of God, and that matters more than anything. And he's yeah. like, your traditions are stifling the word of God, mm-hmm. void the word of God. Right? That's crazy. Yeah. yeah.
2: And you think about, I mean, the fact that Jesus was born in a body and raised bodily. So we're not disembodied spirits. That's right. And so, I mean, the church dealt with Gnosticism yeah. early on. And you got James saying, faith without works is dead. Like, you can't have a disembodied faith. And the, the incarnation and the resurrection says mm. we're whole people. Mm -hmm. And this whole idea of 1010 life, like the abundant life is a whole life, and we're going to care for the whole people because Jesus came Mm. holy human and holy God and was raised Mm -hmm. bodily, and we will one day be raised bodily. And so I think those things just – they call us Mm. to care about the whole of
0: people. Yeah, John Piper says something like – we want to end all human suffering, especially eternal. Right. Mm-hmm. So yes and amen. And then yeah. sometimes, man, I mean, you've always got to share the good news. Like yes. news that news if it's not heralded. So you preach the gospel. We obviously know that and believe right. that. Man, I had a conversation tonight. A guy, former military guy who spent a lot of time in Afghanistan. And when that debacle mm-hmm. happened, he's got all these interpreters over there. He got 11 of them to Jacksonville. Wow. Like personally, yeah, we got them. Com-
2: yeah. You know, yep. okay
0: personally went and got these 11 Muslim families. And he just came up and he was like, well, um, they're my one mores. I have 11 one mores right now. And, and what he was saying is he's like, they don't know what to do with this church. Mm. Cause <laughs> particularly through a bunch of people here. So we've given them cars. We've given them, uh, they go to Hope's closet. We clothed them all. And he's saying, you don't just get to get free things everywhere you go in America. That's not how it works. This church loves you. Mm-hmm. And, uh, now it will what's also great is like Dr. Asher at our church just wrote a book to lead all his Muslim family and friends to Jesus. So I'm able to connect this guy yeah. with Dr. Asher uh-huh. because he obviously can talk to these Muslim families way different than I can mm-hmm. with the gospel. Yeah. But the reason it seems like they have they they're so confused mm-hmm. as to why we, these Americans, Christians, with all they've ever heard about is how we're infidels and we're all, you know, everybody does bad things here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we're, and they're receiving this love that they have not mm-hmm. earned or deserve in their mind. Mm-hmm. And they have a thousand questions. Their worldview does not even have a category for it. Right. So, I think that's some James stuff. Mm-hmm. Some, I love that. Yeah. That's some like, hey, you say you have faith, show me your works. Right. And we go here. And it's yeah. not so that look they're not projects they're not they're not numbers to count but man God loves these people and has worked through all of this to get them here and so we want to overwhelm them with the preached gospel and the lived out gospel
1: Mm -hmm. and you have to have both I mean for sure if you only had declaration you would have a hard time convincing people that the love was real and if you only had demonstration it would be open to interpretation like it'd be like well maybe this is what he meant or maybe that was what the motivation was so the fact that it's both is really, is really incredible. Um, and I think that that incarnational truth that you're talking about, Pastor Adam, is, is really, really timely for where we are at as a culture. Because isn't it true that so much of what's happening in like the way that many are defining reality by feelings, it denies physical reality. And so the gospel has an answer for that as well that says, no, no, no you're made a, a being. God, God tells you your reality, you sure. know? Yeah. yeah. Crazy.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's a whole other conversation. That's a, whole, a whole, other whole other conversation. <laughs> <laughs> we probably don't have time to get into <laughs> that one. Uh,
1: so uh, what's something that you, you both are praying for as we head into you know, the 1010 Life journey? Are you sensing God calling you specifically in a direction or do you have a specific prayer that you're praying?
2: Yeah, I, I'm i I'm specifically praying for 200 more sheepfolds.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I mean, I, I think of a sheepfold as a church yeah. or a campus. Like, mm. we need – Jesus has sheep all over this world that, are, that, are that don't yet have yet. sheepfolds. That's right. Mm-hmm. And there are places that don't have sheepfold for sheep that live in those places. And That's I'm right. like, we need to put – I was just on the phone with a guy planting churches in Iran and Afghanistan. And I – You know, this is swimming around in my brain, and I'm thinking we got to put sheepfolds. That's right in Iran, like. (laughs) And so I'm, I'm, I'm praying for that. I mean, that's a,
0: that's a big one. So there's a thing in my life that I want for our people so bad, and it's not because I'm a pastor. Hmm. But God spoke very clearly to me when I was 19 Hmm. that I was headed in the wrong direction. It wasn't a bad direction. It was med school. That's Mm. nothing wrong. I mean, that's Mm. awesome. And he spoke very, very clearly to me. I heard his voice. I was Mm. in the right environment, tuned in, volunteering at my church to hear his voice. Mm. And he said, go this way. Mm. And I did that at 19. Mm. I'm 49. Mm. And I'm as clear on that calling as I was then. Do you know how much like peace, relief, Mm. security— that I have um, resolve. When I went on sabbatical, when I came back, I, I, I warned everybody. You know, everybody's like, be careful, man. I ain't Moses. I wasn't on the mountain, and like, mm-hmm. my face comes back glowing, and I've got a new word. Be careful when anybody gets like the new word. You know right. what I mean? So, ooh. But all I had was a resolve to keep doing what the shepherd told me to do 30 years ago. Yeah. I would love it. For people throughout this to Mm -hmm. hear the voice of the shepherd Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and in obedience do what he says Mm -hmm. and then trust that at the end of that or even through that, Mm -hmm. what he has for you is abundance. Now, Mm -hmm. not an abundance in comfortable circumstances, Mm -hmm. but an abundance of him, a trust in him, Mm -hmm. an abundance of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and Mm self-control. Be cool to have an abundance of that, right? Mm -hmm. I would love for people to have that resolve that they would get so tuned in, God, what's my role in the Great Commission Mm. and and do what he says. I Mm. love
2: that story that you were talking about fishing with your dad. And that's what I'm thinking you know, as you're talking about that it's like God's going, put it over there. That's it. Fish over there. And it's Mm. better fishing over like you'll Mm. you'll love it over there. And
0: here's some behind the scenes on that. Okay. So my daddy is here tonight, which is cool. And Hank Parker is here. He's like a, for all you that don't know, that's your problem. He's a famous fisherman and he's got hunting shows and he was a bass master and like he was that guy fishing on TV all over the place. Mm -hmm. Well, he's like online 22 or now. And so he's in town. So he came to the service and I'm telling you, I felt like I was meeting him. He he grew up watching him. All right. So I saw him across the way. (laughs) That's Hank Parker. (laughs) And he's kind of like a taller, skinnier version of my dad. They look the same. same haircut, same accent, same jokes. He's incredible. And I, at about 7 o'clock, I said, I need a fishing story. Lord, would you? <laughs> would you? I mean, my dad's here. Hank Parker's here. And seriously, because yeah. I've never done the fish over here thing. Like, I, mm-hmm. God gave it to me tonight. And think mm. about it. You put, you put those things together. He's mm. good. He's a shepherd. And he wants you to have an abundant life. Mm. And then there's all this talk in John 10 about him talking to us. Like, my sheep know my voice. Mm -hmm. And that's when it occurred to me, if you take your kid fishing, Mm -hmm. you want them to have the experience, not you. Mm -hmm. If you wanted to have a great fishing experience, you wouldn't take them. And your dad's like, here, Mm -hmm. take my – just try it right over there. Mm -hmm. That's what the Lord is saying. So I I want that so bad for people. Mm -hmm. Not that it's going to be easy. It's going to disrupt your comfort. It's going to disrupt all kinds of – people are going to think you're crazy like they thought Jesus was crazy. Mm -hmm. But, man, it's just better if you do what he says.
1: Mm -hmm. I thought about that when you said that. Like, when you when you lay it out that way, it's kind of ridiculous that we resist what he says. Like, fact. I, and I thought of John Piper's, you know, kind of the thing that the sin beneath all the, all the other sin is unbelief. Mm-hmm. And when when the serpent first comes to Eve and says, "Did God really say?" He's planting that seed of don't believe God, don't believe who He is, don't believe what He said. And that is still. At the heart – for me, that's at the heart of the reason why you get the, hey, why don't you go do this? And you're immediately like, I don't think that's good or what – you know, that reaction to like, I, no, is because you just don't believe that it is what you're saying, that it is – it's catching the fish in the in the spot, in the good spot, you know, because you got a good dad who wants that for you. Amen. Amen.
2: And the crazy part is – I mean, we sang it tonight, all my life you've been faithful. I mean, that's what this – a whole book is about. Yeah. It's just cover to cover the Lord being faithful time yeah. and time, you know. So I
1: love that song. Sounds like George Strait, right? <laughs> Amen. Uh well, for everybody listening, I hope you'll join for all 5 weeks of the series. It's going to be incredible. Um Pastor Joby, would you pray for us? Pray for the pray for our Church as we wrap it up. Dear Father in
0: heaven, Lord, uh, you're so good and you're so gracious. And God, we love you because you first loved us and and allowed us by faith to love you back. And so, Lord, I pray that we would trust you. Lord, I pray against the noise of this world. I pray that this time that we've just spent would help tune out the noise of this world and tune our ears to the voice of the Good Shepherd. God, would you speak Mm -hmm. so loud and clear that we would be able to distinguish your voice from the stranger's voice. May Mm -hmm. we not follow the voice of the stranger. Mm Mm-hmm. And, Lord, we thank you so much that, that our life is not defined by an abundance of stuff, because that stuff will never bring security. It'll never bring that ultimate satisfaction.
1: Mm.
0: But our abundant life is in you, because you're the only one when we find you, satisfy, and mm-hmm. when we fail you, you forgive us. Yes. And so, God, as we begin this journey, Lord, I thank you that you care, mm-hmm. that you're the kind of shepherd that will lay down your life for the sheep, And so, God, give us the faith and the courage to follow you step by step. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.